A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long with a bunch of beans. Do you believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think no, He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God by faith in His Son, Right? Two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. No exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 90. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So just a little bit of background on the podcast. I started this podcast a few years back as a response to another podcast, Saints Unscripted, formerly known as the Three Mormons. They started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, where David Snell, the only scripted portion of their podcast, by the way, David Snell started uh, going through the LDS Articles of Faith. They started with number 11 and then went back through the others. And I wanted to respond to all of these to show how they don't line up with biblical Christianity. After those were done, he continued on with other aspects of Mormon doctrine and theology and so on. So I committed to responding to every one of those, and the podcast was called Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Well, down the road, as other false teachers started to pop up and do, you know, I mean, false teachers have been around forever. But as I started seeing things that I wanted to respond to as well, I expanded this podcast into becoming the master's dog, dealing with all kinds of false teachers, whether they be secular uh 
atheist, uh, you know, just bad Christian teachers, whatever. And so that's how the master's dog was born was, uh, to respond to all kinds of different false teachers based off of the John Calvin quote at the beginning of the introduction video. So all that being said, uh, for those of you who are new, if you are new, um, whether you're over here on YouTube, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button, hit the like on the video, share the video. Uh, if you're joining us on Gab TV, I would really love to get you as a subscriber there. So hit the subscribe button there on Gab and you can get all the content that is released, all the different podcasts that fall under the evangelical norm uh, productions. Uh, you can get those there and YouTube or you can download these wherever the an audio podcast, wherever you download your audio, uh, Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, you name it, wherever it is you get your uh audio podcast from you can download this podcast there as well so uh, that's the background on the podcast uh, thank you for joining us uh, I would like to today we're actually going back to uh, our roots so to say and we are going to be responding to David from Saints Unscripted as he is going to start talking again the last couple of months a lot of these are ones that I normally, if it, if, it, if it weren't for the fact that I had committed to responding to these videos specifically, which basically gives me guaranteed content every week, uh, I probably wouldn't respond to these particular videos, especially the last four or five, because they're not, they're, this one isn't even, I don't even think this one falls into something like apologetic that we would be, find useful Um this is really just him bringing up uh, controversial issues in Mormon theology to try to gloss them over. Uh, and so this is not th this uh, particular issue that he's going to talk about today wouldn't come up in an evangel evangelical or evangelistic uh, encounter. And it probably wouldn't come up in an apologetics encounter either. Maybe possibly. If, if you were specifically dealing with apologetics and polygamy. But other than that, this is, it's not going to come up. But as usual, God will, I'm pretty sure God will uh, bring up something that needs to be discussed as he goes through this. Um, so with all that being said, here is David, and he's going to tell us about uh, the 14-year-old girl that Joseph, one of the, that there were more than one. I maybe they maybe the other wasn't fourteen. Maybe she was sixteen. But very young girls that Joseph Smith married. We're going to talk about the fourteen-year-old uh, Helen Mar Kimball. So uh, here is David. Hey guys, so despite the fact that members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints stopped practicing plural marriage over a hundred years ago, the fact that it was once a thing is still understandably hard for people to digest, myself included. As I mentioned in the last episode we did about polygamy, I don't like this subject. I'd bet most Latter-day Saints today don't like it. That said, it's part of our history, so we've got to own it. But while I still have lots of questions about plural marriage, there are also lots of rumors and misconceptions about the practice that we can address. One subject of considerable controversy is Joseph Smith's plural marriage to 14-year-old Helen Mar Kimball. So that is what we're going to talk about in this episode. Okay, so 
you know, the whole issue of being, you know, controversy, controversies and, and so on. Um, yeah, it's, it's part of their history. They have to own it. Um, the reality is, is they should, they, they should renounce it because uh, it, it's not a biblical practice. It's, uh, anywhere where it shows up in the Bible, it's, it's rarely a good thing. I mean, granted, God has, the men who practiced it in the Bible honored the wives that they had, um, which, I mean, this is, this would be a tough topic for, I mean, most pastors to deal with. I mean, going into another country, a Muslim convert where polygamy is, is allowed, how do you deal with that, right? But as far as from the Mormon standpoint, it, it shouldn't just be uncomfortable. It should be renounced. It should be uh, condemned in, in every form. All right, guys. So here's where the rubber meets the road. People are uncomfortable with the fact that Joseph Smith married a 14-year-old, mainly because marriage usually implies a sexual relationship, and Joseph Smith having a sexual relationship with a 14-year-old sounds super inappropriate. So, for the record, while there's not enough evidence to prove anything, what we do know suggests that the relationship between Joseph and Helen was very likely not sexual. Helen was sealed to Joseph about 13 months before Joseph was killed. During that time, Helen continued to live at home with her parents. Brian Hales, who we've had on the show, said, Helen wrote more about plural marriage than any other female author in the 19th century, defending it and Joseph Smith. Through those pages, Helen never describes even one time being alone with the prophet without a chaperone. Helen herself defended Joseph's motives, saying if Joseph had had any impure desires, he could have gratified them in the style of the world with less danger of his life or his character than to do as he did. And okay. So here's the issue that, that comes up when we talk about this. So maybe it was never a sexual relationship with uh, Helen Mark Kimball. Maybe the opportunity never came. The reality is, is there are 33 other women that Joseph was married to. 33 other women that Joseph Smith was sealed to. Are we going to take this one example and assume that none of the rest of these were sexual. Because if any of them were sexual in any way, shape, or form, then it's adultery. Because God does not recognize polygamy in this, in this sense. I mean, this is a, a false teaching, a false doctrine that was introduced by Joseph Smith. God, nowhere biblically is polygamy prescribed. Right? I mean, men who foolishly entered into the practice but it was never commanded by god that you should enter into this practice it was never a an uh an ordained or a prescribed sacrament of the israel of the people of israel or the early church the church at any point in time in history so if any of the 33, 34 marriages outside of Emma, so any of the 33 beyond her were sexual in any way, then Joseph Smith is disqualified as an adulterer.
So, and then we have to also look at the, the reasoning behind polygamy. What was the purpose behind polygamy? So I'm going to let him talk a little bit more and we'll get to that at the end if he doesn't uh, hit that subject as he talks. And for more information suggesting that their relationship was likely not sexual, check out the notes in the YouTube description of this video. It's also important to recognize that Joseph was not courting Helen. In fact, marrying Helen was not even Joseph's idea. It was her father's idea, Heber C. Kimball. He taught me the principle of celestial marriage and having a great desire to be connected with the prophet Joseph, he offered me to him. My father introduced to me this principle and asked me if I would be sealed to Joseph, who came next morning, and with my parents, I heard him teach and explain the principle of celestial marriage. And forming an eternal family connection really was the purpose of this marriage. So, okay, so you're, you're forming an eternal family connection of, so it's, it's a, an arranged marriage for power, for, I mean, what, again, what is the purpose behind joining together this family, eternal family? And again, as I understand, I mean, the proclamation for the, to the world about the family that, every LDS person has on their wall in their house and, and so on, or most LDS people have on their wall in their house, is not the purpose of eternal marriage to have children for eternity. So if there's not going to be a sexual relationship between Joseph and Helen Mar Kimball, why be sealed? There's no purpose. There's no reason Right. I mean, she's not bearing children for him. So it's not and it's not building his kingdom per se. So why? Why the purpose behind? I mean, again, she is sealed to Joseph, not her parents. So there, there's the connection is gone is not there. Does that make I mean, nowhere in any teachings of, of Mormonism have I heard over the years that, you know, my being sealed to my wife or whatever is going to seal me to her family. I mean, they, they're on their own, right? They got to go do their own thing and, and be, you know, I'm, I'm not sealed in any way to my sister's in-laws or anything to that effect. I mean, she's sealed to these people because she's still LDS, but does that make sense that the family, eternal family connection according to polygamy and the, the concept of eternal celestial marriage uh, in Mormonism is to have children. So the whole purpose of being sealed would be to, again, allow a sexual relationship. Helen's son, Orson Whitney, described Helen's marriage to Joseph as a golden link whereby the houses of Heber and Joseph were indissolubly and forever joined. Some of Joseph's plural marriages were for time or mortal life only, some were for time and eternity, and some were for eternity only. Helen's marriage was probably meant for time and eternity, but due to her young age, it seems that for all intents and purposes, the marriage was largely treated as an eternity-only marriage, similar to some of his marriages to women on the opposite end of the age spectrum, like 56-year-old Fanny Young or 58-year-old Rhoda Richards. Now, clear... Okay. So now, again, we're, we're presented with another question. What about their husbands? We just saw something about Helamar Kimball's son. If that wasn't a son from Joseph Smith, 
who was his father, obviously someone named Whitney. Obviously, we're going to get to the point where Helen Mark Kimball is is married again. What about that man? I mean, does he have to get multiple wives so he can have wives in eternity? Because if she's Joseph's in eternity, what about her current husband? How does he get exaltation? How does he gain exaltation, which eternal celestial marriage is required for that? What about him? What about those other women and their husbands? You know, he, you, he just described the women at the other end, the other age spectrum, 56 and 58 years old, that he was sealed to them for eternity. What about their husbands? Does that make, does that make sense? I mean, you have to ask the question. Clearly, Helen's father wanted the best for Helen and believed that this was it, but that understandably didn't make it easy for Helen. And in her writing, she talks about how she thought herself a much abused child because after her marriage to Joseph, she wasn't allowed to be as socially involved as her peers, suggesting that she may not have fully understood the social implications of the marriage at the time. And later in life, Helen did acknowledge that at the time she was too young or too foolish to comprehend and appreciate all that she heard Joseph Smith teach. Latter-day Saints consider eternal marriage to be an ordinance necessary for exaltation, assuming the parties involved stay true to the covenants they make. But there is some controversy surrounding Helen's understanding of what her ceiling to Joseph meant for her in the eternities. She remembers Joseph saying at the time, if you will take this step, it will ensure your eternal salvation and exaltation and that of your father's household and all of your kindred. This promise was so great that I willingly gave myself to purchase so glorious a reward. Now, obviously, Helen was under some pressure from her father to accept the marriage and Joseph's status. Okay, so essentially, celestial marriage in for Joseph Smith was the same as indulgences for the Pope. You sell me this or you give me this or you do this and I'm going to guarantee your salvation. Now, he's going to go on to say that others heard it differently and that it wasn't a guaranteed salvation or entry into heaven or exaltation or any of those things. But we have other accounts of that. We have, I mean, we have basically the account where Joseph goes to Emma to tell her about plural marriage and that God has instituted this. And he basically says, if you don't accept it, God is going to destroy you. So it's not a stretch that if Joseph is willing to threaten the life of his first wife, it's not a far stretch to think that he is going to make un, well, unbiblical promises, um, un, uh, unprom uh, un, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, undeliverable promises to those that he was trying to encourage to be sealed to him, whether it be for time or eternity. As the prophet surely added pressure, but some people point to this quote as evidence that Joseph coerced Helen into the marriage with the promise of unconditional exaltation. I find that conclusion unlikely, because on the very next page of Helen's recollection, she references the promises Joseph made to her and says that, with the help of our Heavenly Father, I am determined to so live that I can claim those promises, suggesting that she was aware that those promises were not without conditions. Also, Helen's parents were present when Joseph made these promises. Helen was sealed to Joseph in May 1843, and we have a June letter from her mother and a July letter from her father that pretty clearly show that they also did not consider anyone's exaltation to be guaranteed through marriage. 
Okay, so, again, whether or not it was a guaranteed thing, I'm just kind of trying to read some of these letters. Um, I'm yours in time and through all eternity. This blessing has been sealed upon us by the Holy Spirit. Promising cannot be broken only through transgression or committing a, a grosser crime than your heart or mind is capable of. So, someone to Heber Kimball, that, that's not a letter to their daughter. Um, now, Heber Kimball to Helen Mark Kimball. Um, my child, remember the care that your dear father and mother have for you, your welfare in this life, that all may be done well and that in view of eternal worlds for that will depend upon what we do here and how we do it so again it's all works it's works i mean this is this goes into a whole nother issue but this is works it's it's exaltation by works but you also need to do these things so it's all works so all right so we can move on that's a whole nother topic uh for another day um salvation by works it's yeah, there it is. It's right there. So we can go back to all their other episodes where they don't believe they talk about not being saved by works. And we can say, look, it's right here. But you're certainly free to come to your own conclusions. My personal conclusion is that while this marriage was understandably hard for Helen, it wasn't the product of Joseph Smith being creepy, but was rather a way for the Kimball family and the Smith family to be connected after this life. After Joseph died, Helen was remarried to Horace Whitney, who also later practiced polygamy. While it was oftentimes a heart-wrenching practice, she defended it. She wrote, I did not try to conceal the fact of plural marriage having been a trial, but confessed that it had been one of the severest of my life, but that it had also proven one of the greatest of blessings. She died as a believing member of the faith in 1896. Check out the resources in the YouTube description for more info on this topic, and have a great day. All right, so obviously Horace Whitney had to practice polygamy because he could not be gain exaltation without a second wife at least because he wouldn't be sealed to Helen, right? She sealed to Joseph. So it, it brings in this whole convoluted situation in all these things, and the reality is, is none of it is good. None of it is good, and none of it is pres prescribed biblically. The Bible makes it very clear that marriage should be between one man and one woman. We have descriptive events throughout the Bible where men unwisely or foolishly entered into the uh, practice of polygamy. And as you look at most of those, they turn out pretty poorly for everybody involved. There, there's really no good uh, outcome of, of any of those. I mean... Yeah, the children that are born and the 12 tribes and you can go through all that. But the it's it's not a beneficial thing. And nowhere, nowhere biblically will you find anything that says that this is a requirement for any kind of exaltation. Because the Bible doesn't tell us we're going to be exalted in any way. We are going to be glorified with Christ. The gospel tells us that God you know, foreknew us and those he foreknew he justified and those he justified, he sanctified, and those will be glorified. We have that knowledge that God will glorify those who are believers who repent and put their faith in Jesus. But there's nothing that says you're going to get anything because of the way or amount or whatever of your marriage. Now, I mean, granted, if you're married, you, you need to be, I mean, men, 
don't disqualify yourself from ministry or anything like that. You know, your, your marriage is important and honoring the vows that you made and all those things and not sinning is important, but that's not what saves us. We are saved by grace in order to live those things out, right? The works that we, we do come because of the, the, the grace that Christ has given us. None of the things that we do guarantee us anything, any exaltation, any uh, favor in heaven, any of those things. Nothing that we do, it's all in what Christ did. And that's where our salvation is. So my LDS friend, again, I would tell you, if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to get out. Truly get out. There's there's nothing good. There's nothing beneficial um, from this. It's a, a false gospel presented by a false prophet uh, following a false Christ and a false God. And there's no salvation within the realm of Mormonism. There's none. It's not there. So I would urge you to get out, find a Bible-believing church, and and settle into to something where the, the true gospel of Christ is, uh, the true gospel of the true Christ is taught and preached from the pulpit. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.